You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Have you had enough rain the last few days? I tell you, I had to get out there yesterday and mow the lawn because it was, it was like almost a hayfield. And uh, it, wet as it was, I, I just plowed right through it. So sometimes you just got to get the job done, right? Well, we have been talking about the ultimate avenger. And, and this month is actually, uh, I mean, this service today is the wrap-up and the finale of, of this series. And I've just been excited about addressing this issue, this subject, who is the ultimate avenger, and we've identified him to be Jesus Christ, haven't we? And uh, we've also, again, if you want to stay, uh, you look comfortable, uh, you can stay for the Refuge Life. We have a free lunch for you and uh, learn more. You don't have to move, and we can just spend a little more time together today. Uh, I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts before we pray this morning and share a key scripture. In fact, in fact, if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start reading at verse 10 and read through verse 13. But we at uh, this church have been given a stewardship. We're stewards of refuge and the assignment that God's given us. We're called to be a resource and equipping ministry. Where broken lives are made free and made whole through an encounter with Jesus. And that's exciting to me. I, I'm just excited to be a part of this, uh, what God has determined for us in this season of ministry this time. If you have your Bibles there, look at Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll start reading at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. See, we are to engage in a spiritual warfare with an unseen enemy. And this unseen enemy is the influence of evil in this world that corrupts humanity and mankind. I trust today that you have come not just to hear from a man, but to hear from God. I trust that the Lord will use me to speak to you, to communicate what's on his heart. I depend on his spirit to communicate his word effectively. So with that in mind, let's join our faith together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to assemble together in this place. I ask that you help me to bring your word to this people. I pray, Father, that you give them ears to hear and eyes to see. Thank you for giving to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding can be enlightened. I pray, Father, that you move upon those that are here today to give them a greater understanding of Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate avenger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I just want to share this with you, because there's something stirring in my heart. And I think 
there's times in, in my life and in, in the ministry where God has, has moved and, and, and encountered me in, in different ways. But right now there's like a revival being stirred within me, which I believe is growing into a greater passion for more of God. You know, when you've walked with God a number of years, there's times you can just become comfortable in your walk, and you can't, sometimes can even become stagnant in your walk. But we need to allow that fresh life of God to stir us, to take us where God wants us to go. And I believe that what God has for us is significant for the time that we're living in. And so I believe that with what God's doing, what he's doing, we need to be prepared to really encounter what God has for us. Let revival and awakening begin right here and right now. You are faith champions. You are the people that God is going to use mightily in the earth to transform a community, to impact the world. You are faith champions. I'm, I'm speaking to royalty today because the Bible says that we're a royal people, a royal nation, a people of God's own choosing. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe it's verse 9. So, don't allow yourself to be blinded from seeing what God is doing in this church. And this is just a, a word as, as God was stirring in my heart last night as I was praying for the service that I felt I needed to speak. Holding on to tradition and personal preferences will blind you just as the Pharisees in Jesus' day were blinded from recognizing what was standing before them. Or Jesus came, he, he did things a little bit different than what they were accustomed to. It kind of went against some of their tradition and preferences. And those Pharisees and Sadducees, for the most part, now some of them later believed, but they lost out with what God was doing. So that's my challenge to you. You know, Jesus' style was a little bit different than what they were used to. The style of refuge might be a little bit different than what you're used to. But make sure that you are not tearing down with your words what God is building up, okay? God is raising up something I believe that's significant because there has been a lot that God has set as groundwork in this place to bring awakening to a community. And it's not like we're the only church, but we celebrate other churches and what they're doing, but we know we need to be faithful to what God is calling us to do and who is calling us to be, to be salt and light to community. See, listening to constant negative words will eventually wear you down. And so be careful that you're not the one that those negative words are coming from. Okay? So this is uh, really not in my message, but this is a message for you this morning, okay? All right? Amen. Because what about your children? What about our children and young people? What are we doing for them? And God wants to raise up our children as missionaries to invade the culture. What are we doing to reach them and equip them? What are you willing to invest? What are we willing to invest in this generation? Isaiah 8.18, it says, Here I am, and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders. Your children are for signs and wonders in this earth. They're the ones that God will use to change the world. 
this generation of young people is not just to be tolerated. They're to be embraced and trained, amen, equipped and sent out. Amen? See, the culture of refuge is we're empowering this young generation whose hearts are on fire for God. Amen? So we can thank Jesus for that. Yeah. And there's a mandate, I believe, for us to minister messages that are relevant to relate to our culture with a strategy to reach them with the truth of Jesus, to deliver them from Satan's plan, from his plot. And we're talking about this late movie that came out and realize that movies are really modern-day parables because there's a message. And I always look for a redemptive message within a movie because I believe that that's what our culture is inundated with. You know, they go to movies, they see this thing, it's impacting the culture, it's shaping the culture. We shared with you that every great movie has certain components that make it great. What is it? There's a great conflict, there's a great sacrifice, and there's a great victory. There's an evil villain, and there's a victorious champion. And you can just mark it down. That's always, that's what is popular in the hearts of people because it connects with where they are, with the core of their need. Now, we've shared with you that the word avenger is in the Bible. It's actually in the Bible. It wasn't just, it didn't, wasn't derived from some people that were making films. Uh, it's found 18 times in the New King James Version of the Bible and actually 46 times in other, uh, with other endings. And we discovered that avenger is one who takes vengeance on behalf of someone. Uh, to avenge is to inflict punishment or penalty for revenge. Uh, getting back, getting even, and you know, that's not your place. Uh, to avenge is to retaliate or attack someone who threatens your existence. Those are all concepts of, of what, it, what an avenger is. And we learned in Romans 12, 19, that we're not to avenge ourselves. Human nature always wants to get even. Human nature always wants to strike back. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So what well, that verse is basically saying, I am your avenger. I am the ultimate avenger. So you don't have to take things into your own hands. Sometimes we just try to take things into our own hands because we think we can fix it. We think we can make it better. But we need to give it to God. We need to turn it over to him and allow him to enter the arena of our life. And so this month so far, we've featured four of the Avengers superheroes, which we can learn life lessons from them. We looked at Captain America, and from him we, we've learned that character matters in this world of compromise, doesn't it? In this world of moral decay, character matters. Character and integrity are qualities that reveal true strength and release our true potential. We, we looked at the Hulk, and, and we learned from the Hulk that we can't solve our, our problems just by looking to ourselves or to others. But we need to look to God. See, anger and what he dealt with is an enemy that can be brought into subjection once we involve Jesus Christ. 
Because he said, the word says, be angry and sin not. So you can have control of your anger. It doesn't have to control you. And the scriptures also tells us don't associate with an angry man because you might end up becoming angry yourself. You have to watch that. And then we looked at Thor. And there's certain lessons of obedience that we can only learn through what we suffer in life, the, the tests and trials that we go through. And our true worth and value is found in God, especially in light of what Jesus did for us. And see, with Thor, it was his pride and arrogance that got him in trouble. In fact, it's what disqualifies us from the calling and the purpose of God in our life. And then last week, we looked at the black widow, and we learned that, that God wants us to be free from the heartache of our past. No matter how horrific your past is, it doesn't have to haunt you today. It doesn't have to destroy your future. Because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man, and we can include women because it's referring to mankind, if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. So don't mess up your present and destroy your future because you're allowing the past to control you. And if you were not here last week, I encourage you, we actually have a podcast feature that on your you know, personal device, you can listen to messages, you can download them. Uh, now let's talk about Iron Man. This guy's an interesting character. He's actually my second favorite. Captain America's, I, I kind of like him the best. He's, he's just clean cut wholesome, you know, he's, he's, he's my guy, but, uh, but the, really, my f- ultimate favorite is Jesus, okay, he's, he's the best Avenger, all right, okay, get that down for the record, now, it's interesting bringing all these super, superheroes together in one film, it's an interesting undertaking, because they've done movies on just the individual ones, but to bring them all together, that's quite the undertaking, isn't it, for these filmmakers, But Iron Man, what's his story? Now, he's a man whose life was changed when he had a near encounter with death, okay? Tony Stark is a billionaire. He's an inventor. He's the CEO of Stark Enterprises, which is a weapon manufacturing corporation. I mean, this guy has it made. He has everything anybody would ever want, but he's full of himself. He's egotistical, and he, he doesn't really value the true meaning of life and what life is all about. Uh, Tony Stark was self-centered and had major character issues. But with an encounter with death, his heart was changed. In fact, um, from, he, he moved from being full of pride and egotistical to a man who really began to discover what his gifts were meant for in helping people. Um, in fact, it moved him to a point in life where he began to serve the cause of justice. He had an encounter that changed his life. He was captured by rebel terrorists in Afghanistan, and he, he was forced by his captors to build this missile that the enemy was going to use uh, uh, you know, against um, innocent people. And so instead of building a missile, he, he built this suit this Iron Man suit, and, uh, which basically enhanced his strength uh, so that he could escape, okay? 
So it was uh, his way to get back home. <laughs> um, and during the attack by the terrorists, there was an explosion, and he was hit with shrapnel. And the shrapnel kind of got close to his heart. And knowing that he could not live long with shrapnel close to his heart, his scientist friend surgically implants this magnetic field generator to prevent shrapnel from coming to his heart so that it would keep his heart free from the shrapnel. And so he, he had a heart issue, okay? Like all of us have heart issues, don't we? Now, Stark sees the error of his ways. He returns home and confronts his personal and business demons and spends the rest of his life trying to do good at home and abroad. And he develops and improves a high-tech Iron Man suit. I mean, he, he really perfects this thing. And so, and, and I'm, you know, I, if I could have got a hold of an Iron Man suit, I would have had it here today. But I couldn't. So, uh, thank God for video. So, we can uh, always use that if we need to, okay? <laughs> so, now, Iron Man's high-tech armor parallels and points to the full armor of God. Iron Man discovered that he could use his talents to help people. And we all need to be Iron Men. We are all called to put on the whole armor of God. And so let's look at what that looks like for Tony Stark. That's what we all need to do before we leave the house, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, let's look at this again. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, starting at verse 13. It says, Therefore, take up the whole arm of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Now, if you notice some of the components of this Iron Man suit, it has the same components, with the exception of the shield, that we see right here in the Word of God. So we can see this parallel. In verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take on the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is 
the word of God. And we're going to pause right there. We're going to uh, pick this up in a couple of verses, 18 and 19, in just a moment. But here we see the various components. And it's interesting because in the natural, the Apostle Paul is, is painting a picture for us as believers in the church. Knowing that God has provided armor for us when we engage in life's battle. And we realize that, as we read earlier, that the battle we're facing is not flesh and blood. So it's not against each other. And, and so often, we're battling with one another. But that's not the focal point of our conflict. Because people are influenced by entities that we don't see, the unseen realm. And that's the scripture described that in the previous verses. Principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness of this world. We see, first of all, the belt of truth. And the belt of truth, it's interesting because it covers our loins and it covers, it's above the part of our body that we remove our waist from. And so we understand truth causes, and it's also over a reproductive system, so truth causes us to bear fruit and it also purges us from what defiles. It purges from waste. So truth, that belt of truth is essential to keep us on course in our walk with God. And then we see having on our feet the gospel or the breastplate of righteousness, which uh, the breastplate is important because that covers our heart. And uh, the breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not our own righteousness because our own righteousness is as filthy rags. It, it doesn't measure up to the standard to be able to defeat the enemy. So when we confront darkness, when we confront our enemy, it's not in our own righteousness, but it's in the righteousness of Christ. He provided that breastplate for us. The scripture tells us that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And then we see um, the boots, the shoes, and that's important to have firm foundation, firm standing, so that our feet won't slip. So that when we walk through this life, that we are sure-footed and that we're not going to be tripped up because our feet are improperly covered. I don't know if you've ever stubbed your toe. It's not a pleasant thing. And, and I had a sister that lived with us a few years, and... Uh, she was notorious at stubbing her toe, but she would do it to the point where she would actually break her toe. And uh, recently, Michaela had an encounter with stubbing her toe, and it looked pretty bad. And said, you're not going to follow the pathway of, of my sister so, or your aunt, so we, we need to pray that that doesn't continue. Uh, so, but feet covered is, is essential because where we go, we take the gospel. And then we see the shield of faith, which is the defensive weapon against the attack of the enemy by which we can quench everything he throws at us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This shield of faith is, is how we live our lives. We walk by faith. We live by faith. Faith is the capacity to believe God, to take him at his word. And then we see the sword of the Spirit. This is the offensive weapon. And with the sword of the Spirit, we cut down our enemy. 
with the sword of the Spirit, we fight the good fight of faith. When Jesus was tempted in wilderness, he used the sword of the Spirit. He spoke God's word when confronted with temptation. And we use the sword of the Spirit when we're confronted with temptation as well. Now, in verse 18, we see the scripture continues, once the armor is in place, once we're fully suited, now we're ready to engage in battle and warfare. And what is that? Verse 18, praying at all times. In the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So what is the armor for? It's so we can go to the prayer room. So we can engage in, in spiritual warfare and, and prayer because that's where the battle is won or lost in prayer. So I'm going to challenge you this morning and ask you the question, how is your prayer life? Some people are very casual about it. They don't see it as significant or important. They just maybe do it in passing. But you need to devote time to prayer. You need to be devoted to prayer. You need to be suited up when you go into the place of prayer. And the outcome will be that the gospel will be preached and hearts and lives will be changed. I want to discuss some life lessons that we can learn that point to the ultimate adventure, Jesus Christ. If we look at Tony Stark, we know that he had a heart problem. You need to recognize that you have a heart problem that has to be addressed. If his heart problem wasn't addressed, he would have been dead. That shrapnel would have got into his heart and he would have died. Jesus has a remedy for our heart problem. In Ezekiel 36, 26, the scripture tells us in talking about what God was going to do through the new covenant and through the coming of Messiah. He said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So here we see that there was a heart surgery that God's talking about spiritually in giving us a new heart. A stone heart is in reference to a heart of unbelief, a heart full of pride, a heart of arrogance, similar to what Tony Stark had before he had his encounter with death. And so we, too, need to get rid of that stony heart. God wants to give us a new heart. And see, that, that is what makes Christianity different from any other world religion. It's a heart issue. We get a new heart. See, what I was before I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior is not who I am today. I had a heart change. And that heart change affected how I lived my life. It affected my value system. It affected decisions I made. It affected even what I'm doing today. I would not be standing before you if I would have not had a heart change. I would have never fulfilled the call and the purpose that God had determined for my life. Now, another lesson we can learn is to recognize your source of strength. Back in the first verse we read in Ephesians chapter 6, studying verse 10, 
said, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Nowhere in that passage does it say be strong in yourself. But yet we say, oh, we got to be strong. We can handle this. See, humanism is looking at you and your strength apart from God. We don't need God. Every answer is within us. We don't need anything else. But that's wrong. We're called to be strong. But that strength does not generate from us. It's from him. And, and, and the unique thing is when Jesus comes to live in us, yes, then that strength comes in us. And it's there, many times lying dormant, because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. But we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He's mighty, he's strong. And that's something you and I can tap into in moments of weakness. If you've ever faced a moment of weakness, you need to understand that God's strength is made available for you to get you through that. You might say, I don't know how we're going to handle this. Broken hearts and broken lives, situations that happen. You know, I think of what's happening in this world and the devastation, whether it's an earthquake in Nepal, whether it's floods in, in Texas, whether it's uh, people being martyred for their faith, having their heads cut off because they refused to deny Jesus. You know, you think of the families, you think of the lives, you think of the heartache. Where does our strength come from? To really face the difficulties and challenges that are before us, we have strength that comes from God alone. Now, another lesson we can learn, life lesson is, Having power and knowing how to use it are two different things. You can see there's, in a society today, there's such a misuse of power and authority. But we've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. According to Luke 10, 19, in the English Standard Version, it says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Wow. Now, now, See, if we could get a hold of the revelation of what Jesus is saying to his disciples here, he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Wow. That means I don't have to be afraid of the devil. I don't have to be fearful. No, you need to know your authority that you have over him. And you need to resist him. If you've never <clears throat> rebuked the devil, it's time you discover your authority. Because Satan is killing, stealing, and destroying. He's trying to mess with us. But Jesus gave us authority over him. See, the problem is, I, I think so often, the devil wants you to believe and think that he's just a myth. He doesn't exist. He doesn't want you to know that there's an unseen realm that we have to contend with. And so if he can go undetected, uh, he's happy about that. But some people think he's got, the, in this red suit, he's got this long tail and these horns. He's this red guy. Uh, you know, that's somewhat fictitious of, of how the world is painted in the bee. But he's a real fool to contend with. But Jesus already defeated him for you. And see, as members of the body of Christ, as members 
of the church, if you belong to Christ, then you are among the team that has been given authority over him. And you basically enforce the defeat where Jesus defeated him. It's interesting, after World War II was declared over, the battle was won. Did you know that the troops just didn't go home right away? Oh, we won this one, we're out of here. No, they stayed. In fact, my dad stayed. He was there in Poland post-World War II because they had what they called the occupational army. They occupied the territory until it became stable again. And see, you and I as, as believers are part of God's occupational army in this earth to enforce the enemy's defeat. And there's battles that are to be won in our culture, in every arena, whether it's politics, whether it's social media, whether it's uh, school systems, education systems, in every arena there are battles to be won where God wants his influence to invade those areas to recover the culture and establish the kingdom of God in the earth. You can say amen to that. Now, when I say that, I, 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 I'm challenging myself here. I say that a lot. You say amen. And um, I don't want to say that as much, but if I say that, when I say, can you say amen, that means are you in agreement? Okay. So that's what amen said. So be it. I'm in agreement. All right? So... Now, there's one decision that we make in life that will affect eternity. And we want to talk about that here now. And one thing that's interesting because, and I don't know where everyone in this room is at right now. Maybe this is your first time to be in a church like this, the first time to even hear a message like this. Maybe you've been walking with God for many years. You've made a commitment to him. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't. Maybe that whole concept is kind of foreign to you. Maybe you know somebody that calls themselves a Christian, and maybe they haven't lived a life that you think really reflects what a Christian should live. Because sadly to say, there's a lot of hypocrites out there. But yet, there is an encounter that we can have with Jesus that brings us into what I call true Christianity, which is based on a relationship with a God who's alive, with a God who's loving, with a God who wants to get involved with our lives. And, and see, I'm not sure where you're at today, but it's important for all of us to have minds that are renewed with the word of God. Minds renewed because the mindset of our culture today is being inundated with influences that are not from heaven. And yet we need to really be solid in, in what God has revealed in his word to us. Seeing things from his perspective seeing things from his point of view. And you may feel like your life is in a pit. And the Bible, believe it or not, talks a lot about pits, okay? Not just cherry pits, but a pit that somebody falls into and they can't get out. Joseph was thrown into a pit. 
He could not get out of that pit on his own. He needed help. You may have fallen into a pit that you can't seem to get out of. In Psalms chapter 40, verse 2, it says, He has also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. Realize that you have not fallen too low, that God can't reach you and pull you up and bring you up from that pit. I mentioned my sister earlier. Her name is Joy. Uh, she now lives in Oregon with her husband, Tim. And um, when she uh, first moved in with me, at the time I was single and she needed a, a room, needed a place, and I had a house on West Wilson, just about six blocks from here. And so I said, yeah, you can you know, come and you know, rent from me. And so during that time, <coughs> she wasn't really walking with God. She would come to church, but she'd hang out in the bars, and she kind of had her own life going. And, but I would pray for her, and I, I wasn't trying to shove too much down her throat, but, I, you know, but she's living with me now. And so I thought, I can have a greater influence in her life. And I was praying for her, and God encountered her one night. And she came home, and she went to bed, and she had this dream. And it was like one of those things she was half awake and half asleep, it seemed. But she found herself in this pit. And she realized, there's no way I can get out of this pit. She felt helpless. She felt empty. She felt lost. She felt hopeless. And she shared with me, she said, I began to cry out to Jesus. And the very moment I began to cry out to Jesus, his hand was extended to me, and he began to pull me up and lift me up out of this pit. That night, her life was changed forever. She totally turned her back on the things of the world and began to walk fully with God to serve his purpose in his plan for her life. And, and she's serving God to this day. Now, I shared that with you because maybe you've found yourself, you found yourself in this pit, you've fallen into this pit, and it seems you can't get out. Well, God wants to lift you out of that pit. In Lamentations 3.55, the scripture says, I call on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. I call on your name from the lowest pit. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. Call on his name today, and God will lift you up out of that pit. That pit may be drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe pornography. It may be some vice. It may be some stronghold that the enemy has brought you in, and it seems that there's no way out. There is a way out. His name is Jesus. He is the adventure, and he can pull you up out of that pit today. I want you to bow your heads at this time, and we want to take a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Before we pray, 
I want to give you an opportunity to discover that you have an adventure who's willing and ready to fight for you. In fact, he's already won the victory. But the enemy, because of his lies and deceptions, has brought you into a place where, you, where he thinks you belong to him. But Jesus paid the price for you. He purchased your redemption so that you could be his. But what's required is, is that you accept Jesus and receive him and believe him. Scripture says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is call on his name. Jesus, save me. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, make my life what you want it to be. Again, Lamentations 3.55, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have not fallen so low that he can't reach you. All you have to do is call out to him. Now you might say, Pastor, you know, you, you're talking like there's some really low-down sinner that's really depraved. You know what, folks? It really describes all of us. Just because Maybe your sins aren't as bad as someone else's. That doesn't make you any different. You're still a sinner. And you still need a Savior. You need to accept Him and believe in Him. You might say, well, I'm a good person. Well, being a good person won't get you to heaven. Having Jesus will. Believing that He died for your sins and accepting His Lordship. You need His life to really live, and he offers that life to you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is really right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain where I would stand with him. If there's a question, if there's a doubt, if you're thinking, I don't know if I'd go to heaven, I want to pray for you. If you lift your hand and let me know, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not certain, but I want to be. I want to know without a doubt that my life is right with God. See, you can know that you, you're going to heaven when you die. You don't have to question, wonder, or worry. Because when you give your heart to Jesus, he floods you with his life. And you become his. And he gives you that assurance knowing that you are his. This is a salvation call. Maybe you've been away from God and maybe got into some other things and today you're here and you sense, I need to get right with God. I need to get back on track with him. If that's you, I'd also like you to raise your hand. Anyone today? And that's a bold step to lift your hand and acknowledge and admit, oh, I need prayer. I want to be right with God. But that's something that everyone in this room celebrates. In the heavens, the angels celebrate with us. 
when one sinner repents. Hallelujah. I want you to stand up together and I'm going to pray at this time. And specifically, if you've found yourself in a pit, maybe you walk, you're walking with God, but you're just struggling in an area. Maybe there's an area that the enemy seems to continue to defeat you, and it seems you just haven't been successful at overcoming. Maybe it has to do with forgiving someone. Maybe it has to do with uh, an addiction. Maybe you just want more of God because you recognize you need for him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for everyone under the sound of my voice. And I pray, Father, that you lift them from the pit. That you lift them from the thing that has ensnared them and brought them into captivity. Father, we thank you for the full salvation and deliverance of everyone in this room. That there would be none that would be lost, but that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Father, help us to come into a real realization that you have more for us. Help us to put on that full armor of God so that we can be equipped to live this life, so that we can enter the arena of prayer and defeat the enemy. In Jesus' name, Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.